We have two new coaches in the ACC. We're going to talk about Virginia and Duke, as well as some hoops action. We've got Georgia Tech to talk about from the women's side. We've got NC State to talk about on the men's side. We have Kenton Gibbs here from Locked on Wolfpack joining the show. It should be a good one, folks. Let's get into it. You are Locked on ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to today's edition of Locked on ACC. Candace Cooper and Kenton Gibbs for the Monday episode. Thank you for making Locked on ACC your first listen each and every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked on ACC, or you can subscribe on YouTube. There it is, three times fast. You can get it out. Kenton, I hope you had a good weekend. Yeah, I had a great weekend. Uh, Besides seeing my team fall just short, kind of fall apart there at the end of uh, regulation and get hosed by the refs a little bit. Everything has been great. No doubt. We've got some big things to go over on today's show. Let's start with Virginia deciding to uh, take Tony Elliott after a fly-to-fly-back situation in terms of private planes. He is officially the head coach for the Virginia Cavaliers. He will be starting his tenure there after spending nearly 10-plus years at Clemson. Feeling good about the hire. Let's talk about that as well as what it might mean implications for Clemson moving forward. So how do you feel about Tony Elliott being the new head coach for the Virginia Cavaliers. Honestly, and I, I'm, I'll get into the other head coach later, neither of these guys move the needle for me in a way that I'm like, oh, the ACC will forever be changed by this. And don't get me wrong. I have been wrong before in life. I will be wrong again in life. I could be wrong right now. But neither one of these coaches really move the needle one way or the other for me. So let's talk about Tony Elliott and why you feel like he doesn't move the needle after spending so much time in Clemson. He's obviously built a national championship type pedigree. He's been an offensive coordinator for national champions for meaning like the actual players, not for actual national championships for people who are going to try and correct me on the show. I just want to know why you feel like he's not capable of now leading a squad on his own. I don't know how to say this without being rude, but um the if anybody remembers when the gold state warriors were a lot a lot better like right now they're still one of the best teams in the nba but when they were a lot better than everybody when they had kd over there uh they would have times where they would let the players coach the games and that's the sentiment that i get here his beginning of being an offensive coordinator he had a year three deshaun watson Mm, i mean Listen, even with everything that we now know about Deshaun Watson, if you were to redo, redo the draft in which he was taken, how many GMs would be like, eh, he shouldn't be a top five pick? Not many. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I rest my case there. Uh, but even moving forward from that, last year with a Clemson offense that, yes, they saw some injuries, but they were still as talented just about as pretty much everybody else in the conference. What was done there? Way too many quarterback powers that developed way too slowly. Mm, I'm not seeing it. I'm I'm honestly, I I hope that he is successful. I hope because it's good for the conference when more teams are good. I hope uh that he he can lead Virginia to some wonderful things and all that. And 
And I, I understand Brocco Mendenhall's reasoning for stepping down and want to be closer to his family and all that good stuff. I get that. But it's also like, uh, I don't, I'm not as high on Tony Elliott as certain people. And I'm not, I'm not a, a super Tony Elliott critic to where I'm like, this is a horrible move by UVA. They're going to regret this for the next 20 years. It'll set them back until 2040. It's like, eh, we'll see, I guess. But I don't really have too strong of feelings one way or the other. So I guess my confusion is just, is he not a great X's and O guy? He cannot develop players. He's not a good recruiter. What are the type of things that make you not feel confident about him being a head coach? I think that the recruiting part is there. I think that he can recruit just fine. Um, I'm not sure about the X's and O's. I'm not sold on the X's and O's. And we see coaches all the time who are really good at one and not so good at the other. And it oftentimes manifests itself in, eh, eh, you know, mediocre teams, teams that are like, oh, well, they've got ball players. They just can't get them in the right position. Also, this is his first head coaching job at this level. Um, and most folks don't have success in their first head coaching job. So, you know, again, I'm not really expecting him to blow the barn doors off the coastal and, and perch UVA at the top um, immediately. But we'll see. I think it's also depending on who he brings in as his coordinators. We all know that if you get to a certain level of being the head, you don't aren't in the day to day as much as people think. Right. You have a lot of other maneuvers and things that you have to check off your list as well as the X's and O's and the day to day stuff. So I think it'll be interesting to see how he balances that. A lot of people say, oh, I can be the head and I can absolutely even do it how I would want to do it. But until you get into that position, I look at a lot take the example from Hubert Davis, right? Until you're actually the head and having to figure out and having to make those tough calls and decisions, it's a different ball game. So I think it will be interesting to see how he pans out in Charlottesville. But I think the expectations aren't astronomical, right? Yes, they are high because Bronco Mendenhall certainly set the bar for a team that was you know, competing for the Coastal the past five years in his trying to figure out who was going to be the best of the best out of that division. But now, He's the type of guy where you're trying to pick up where they left off in terms of being in the hunt because they absolutely were in the hunt last season with Brendan Armstrong and company. So we'll see how he kind of transpires transpires there. I don't – I'm always rooting for, and I know we get a lot of feedback about this, rooting for the black coach, period. <laughs> I'm always rooting for the black coach in the Power Five. So I'm high on him, and I think that, you know, at the end of the day, as much as I hate UVA – I want to see him do well because I think it's just a great opportunity to say that we have another bl- black man trying to take the lead and have an opportunity to do so in such a powerful conference as the ACC. Again, you already know how I feel about that. There, more power to him. Again, I hope he's success. I hope success on all these coaches that uh, come through because you know, at the end of the day, more good teams in the conference lifts us all up, gives more prime time games, has us have the ability that the SEC has a little bit where it's like we are the bar that we get to measure against ourselves, and it doesn't really matter what we do against outside teams because we're the bar against each other. I would love to have that ability. Um, but, again, it's I go back to lean away as I often do because, I mean, listen, good is good, bad is bad, period, regardless of, of – uh, Race, color, creed, religion, where you're from, how long you've been the assistant, whether or not you're in the NFL, whether or not you were from the high school ranks, wherever, whoever you are, whatever you are, whatever you look like, whatever music you listen to, whatever you do, at the end of the day, can you show and prove? Point blank, period. Because I'm going to get in all your tales equally, or I'm going to praise all of you equally. 
I just don't feel like that's realistic, but that's okay. <laughs> that's just not realistic. And again, okay. and again I, I, we have often, we have talked to Nazim about this. There is, to, for, for me to say that there is not uh, extra barriers for African-American coaches, African-American quarterbacks, African-American, um, any, any black person who is in certain positions, athletic director, all that stuff, uh, conference commissioner, anybody who says that there is not um, more bias against them or anybody who says that they do not have extra hurdles. I, I pose it to people very simply. If Baker Mayfield or Daniel Jones had Lamar Jackson's career and Lamar Jackson had either one of their careers, people would be calling for him to be out the league already. That's just the reality. But with that being said, I can't go to the same space that others do and that I'm rooting for for people who look like me just because they look like me, only because it for us, it will never work out. It's a reason that we are the minority. It, it's That is the existent uh, circumstance. So if we do favoritism by what we look like, if other folks did that. It's not favoritism, but I'm not favoring. I'm not favoring. I'm saying I'm rooting for because of. that. There's a difference. There's an absolute I, difference. I mean, That's not favoritism. I, I, I'm not saying I like someone better than anybody else. And I don't think that I'm rooting for him because of that. I'm having extra extended grace because of that. So I think there's a difference. I understand. And for me personally, he gets the same grace that everybody else does. And I don't think that you're wrong wanting to extend extra games that's that's your personal opinion that's your personal take you're not the ad you don't get to make the call on whether or not tony gets to keep his job a year for us so. well the ad happens to be a lovely black woman all right bowl season is here locked on acc fans i've been telling you about prize picks and if you still haven't signed up what are you waiting for in addition to the college football action prize picks makes college basketball more exciting prize picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy it offers props any prop you can think of in basketball you can play points rebounds assists, threes made and more all of your users that deposit and use your promo code to receive a hundred percent instant deposit match up to one hundred dollars just be sure to use promo code locked on you can pick two to five players and an over under on their projection you can win up to 10 times on any entry because it's just you versus the projected number don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code locked on or go to your app store and download the app today. Make sure you guys again go to prizepicks.com. We're talking about coaching hires here in the ACC. And of course, Virginia is great, but we also have to add Duke in the mix. They finally found a great coach in Mike Elko coming from Texas AM. He will be heading the charge. There in Durham, North Carolina, Blue Devils made a safe hire. I will sit here and go out and already, you know, put it out there in the open. I think this is a great, you know, if we're going to have to do something, let's make sure that we don't ruffle a whole lot of feathers higher. I mean, it's Duke football. Like, I don't I don't want to be that guy, but let's be honest with ourselves. What what is to be expected of the head coach? To me, to me, Duke is one of the hardest jobs in America to feel. It is if you really think about this now, you're going into a situation where you know you will not be able to recruit most of the top players in the country off top, not because of the, your ability to recruit. You could be the greatest recruiter there ever was. You could be the, the world's greatest recruiter. Sell you could sell salt to a slug or raid to a bug, and you could sell Duke to the best quarterback in the nation. Guess what? If that best quarterback doesn't have the grades, grades that will qualify for almost everywhere else in the ACC, if you don't qualify for Duke, guess what, buddy? 
We've got nothing for you. People make a will in a way for certain. Like there's, yes, I do think there's a bar and a level of academic excellence that you must achieve at a Duke University, same way for like a Wake Forest, right? The same out of Virginia and in Carolina. I think we all have an academic element to the ACC. We can say that, right? A lot of these schools have a lot of academic rigor. They don't have Duke's academic rigor. It is, it is flatly different. It is what is required to get into Duke, even for athletes. I, I'm not sure. I'm not, let me not say I know for a fact this, these are the grades that players must have and yada, 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 so on and so forth. But what I know is generally all of the universities with the highest amount of academic rigor for the most part are not very good. Michigan has been an exception to that rule for like forever and a day. And it's just them and a few other schools, a handful of other schools. It's a reason. It's a reason. It, it is a reason, especially in a sport like football. In basketball, it makes sense, especially in today's basketball where you can bring somebody in and, oh, yeah, you'll be going in five months. It don't matter. Pop Bonchero is not going to be back in, in three years. He's not going to be, uh, where is your degree? Where's your degree progress? That man is going to be on somebody's team in the league. He's going to be in somebody's dunk contest. He's going to be doing all that good stuff. Football players, regardless of how good you are, you're not going to the league after a year or two. You have to do Duke education for three whole years. So I think that at the end of the day, that makes it hard. But on top of that, you don't really have as much. Uh, like, there isn't really anything by way of history there to where people are, like, super excited about Duke football to where, you know, everybody gets up and gets geeked for Duke football. Oh, the city of Durham is behind Duke football. You would, you're being a you're giving strong hater vibes. I'm not even gonna hold you. You're giving Every, strong hater vibes. You know, there are a lot of people in Durham that support Duke football. One, number two, uh, I'm not done. Number two, I feel like the loyal people. There are actually, I know. Did you watch this season? They didn't win one conference game, and they still have fans. They still have butts in the seat. Again, I am not saying that this is. If you want to sell a kid on playing in front of thirty thousand people every game, can you do that at Duke? With a straight not right face, now. Not honesty. right now. Not right now. But when they were playing the Texas A&Ms of the world, there were people in those stands. When they had the opportunities to beat the Carolinas and they were actually doing that, there were plenty of butts in the seats. I just think that this is a really, really hard job to feel. Look historically at their record. Sure. But a degree from Duke is a degree from Duke. You're set for life. And while I do think everyone thinks you're all going to the NFL, I would hate to tell you it ain't happening. But also, you're set for life in terms of the type of circles that you're going to be a part of for life. Like your buddy who's in Chemistry 103 with you is absolutely going to probably, you know, cure cancer and be able to, like, you know, pop you off a couple million if he wants to. Let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let me ask you this. That has been the the word out on Duke for how long? People have known that, what you just said about their academic excellence and the success of their alumni for how long? Um, For a good minute. Okay. Why hasn't that worked on 18-year-olds already? Well, it's different now. I think now that you have NIL deals in place, now that people are more business savvy than they used to be, now that they have the whole influencer brand, social marketing, Duke could be really appealing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's look at uh, the other part that makes this a hard job. Where where would Duke get most of their players from? Where would you imagine? What region? Absolutely here in the Triangle. Okay. You get your best players from Southeast, right? Southeast? Sure. Okay. And Who probably big- up North. 
Okay, you get, let's say the whole eastern seaboard, shall we? Wonderful. Okay, so northern eastern seaboard, if you're just competing by region, of course, you're looking at the Ohio states of the world. You're looking at the Michigan. Everybody can't go there. That's my point. It's like, yes, they're great. Everyone, every five-star can't go to Ohio. You're right. They might not be able to go to Ohio state. You know where they could go? Penn state. You know where they could go? Oh, Penn state ain't got no spots for you either. Okay, you know where else they could go? Okay, so here we go, right? So we have to be like a Wake Forest who went, what, 8-0 for a good minute before they got beat by Carolina. You are going to be there for a good minute. You're going to have to develop players. Mike, can Mike Elko do that? That's going to be the question. Can he develop and, players? And that's the thing. Throughout his tenure as a defensive coordinator, I think he's been pretty good. I think he's been pretty good. I don't think that he has been at any point in time just like, Oh, nah, nah. If, if he's on the, the circuit available, you got to go get him. And again, and again, I say this with the caveat of I've been wrong before. I'm not, I wouldn't be super upset. And like, regardless of what happens, I'm right. Mike Elko is terrible. Duke football is terrible. Listen, I am for Duke football being good. I am for literally every team in the ACC being good except one. And y'all all know what that is, but that's another story for another time. I am for every single team. Any ACC being good. If Mike Elko comes in and Duke comes in and, and becomes a powerhouse in three years that just has the greatest teams, most disciplined teams, most sharp teams, most athletic teams we've ever seen from Duke, I'm not going to be upset. I just, seeing this move, I'm like, okay, so you replace Coach Cutcliffe with like, a safe pick. A safe pick. That's just what it is. Just what I said in the beginning. It's a safe grid pick. Like, at the end and of the I, day. I'm not disagreeing with you. A guy I, doesn't believe evil. Sure. I personally have a affinity to Duke athletics because I think they're, they're very nice and respectful. Now, mind you, it could be because their team stinks and they don't care. They're like, please come support us, whatever. But I do think that that program is thirsting for higher you know, achievement in terms of the football program. Because when I say I went to a game, it was a Louisville night where every single program got honored because they were winning the ACC. They had academic excellence. It was the football. I mean, not the football, the lacrosse. It was baseball. It was softball. It was tennis. Everybody in their mama, golf, men's and women's, everybody in their mama, fencing, everybody in their mama. ACC champions are better. Your best program cannot be your most expensive. Your one that causes the most strife probably when it comes to academic budget every year can't be the worst one on the page by a mile. I think that's the biggest thing that Mike Elko is going to have to change being there in Durham. I agree, but the sports that you just named are predominantly sports that are uh, of affluence. And sports of affluence also with affluence you can also directly trace academic success. That is that is another thing that is just, it's a factual statement about life here in America. Academic success, particularly test scores, have a direct correlation for the most part to your parents' uh, socioeconomic status. But what so does that have that, to do with athletic achievement? Because they're all so ACC champions. That, But that's my point. The, the players who play at Duke academically are going to be what? You would assume that they're some of the best in the conference, right? Sure. If you would assume that they're going to be some of the best in the conference and that they were able to get into Duke, you would also assume what? That they have had academic success coming in. So you have to, you can't be both smart and physically extremely gifted. No, you can be both. You can be both. You're probably not going to Duke. But I'm saying for players like that, I'm okay. When's the last time Duke landed a five star in football? 
I already said, though, that you have to build them up. You're going to have to take some time. This is not a come in, you're hot off the presses. But, hell, Carolina has five stars. They ain't done nothing with them. So what you, what's the point? Like, I think stars, people overrate stars and make that a thing. But at the end of the day, Sam Hartman wasn't a five-star, but beyond ACC championship, he had a decent season. Listen, Kenny Pickett not- wasn't a five-star, was he? And I'm pretty sure he was sitting in, in New York this past weekend. I'm not one of those guys who's all about, oh, the amount of five stars that you have is all that matters. However, again, if we're talking on correlations and trends, there tends to be a direct correlation between teams who have top 10 recruiting classes again and again and again tend to be the same ones that are in the playoffs every year, tend to be the same ones that are in their conference championships every year, tend to be the same ones who even on a down year on New York's in New Year six games. I'm not saying that he can't have a one shining moment year. This was a one shining moment year for Wake Forest. But do we, we can want all agree Duke that. to have college football playoff implications? Like, what is the bar for Duke right now? I and think they just is, want to win an ACC the, game. But that's why I say that that's a really hard place. That's a really hard job to fill. Because How is it hard? All, all I want out. you to do is one ACC game. That's all I because want you to do. Hear me out. Hear me out, right? We've seen how this college coaching carousel goes. We saw it this last time. Money is flying. I don't know. Everybody said that that uh, everybody was broke during the pandemic. The booster said, y'all broke. We up. I don't know what y'all got going on. We up. We could pay a buyout. We could buy out your mama, your sister, your daddy, your uncle, and them, and pay this coach $110 million. That's what the boosters are saying right now. So with that in mind, my point is this. College coaches are now seeing money that has never been out, introduced to multiple coaches. And to think that somebody is going to want to stay at Duke where the ceiling is one shiny moment over some of the other powers in the conference where they know, that's kind of like, I think most people could get a, a one shiny moment out of this university. That's, so the point of the Duke job is to, like, you want the Duke job to be some, a landing spot. You don't want the Duke Duke job to be a launching pad. And you feel like well, it's just a I'm, launching pad job. I'm fine with Duke being whatever they are. But what I'm saying is uh, uh, a final destination job. If this if Duke is a landing spot job, that's fine. We can go with that. Uh, because, honestly, any job can turn into a, a leaping point job, a, a jump off point. Any job can turn into that. What I'm saying is. Duke is hard to hire right now because Coach Cliff made it a Coach Cut made it a landing spot. And when he did, he did all that he could and he did better than we'd ever seen uh, for the most part for Duke. And yet and still, I don't think that there were a ton of folks coming and banging down Coach Cutcliffe's door like, hey, you need to come over here. We'll give you more money. We need you need to come over here. I'm sure that there were offers. I'm saying that they there weren't to the level of where if Scott Satterfield wins 10 games the next two seasons. You don't think that somebody else in the SEC, ACC, whatever is going, hey, listen, we we got money bags for you, baby. We're going to back up the Brinks truck. Come on with me. I don't know why. All right, guys, let's take a minute and talk about kicking things up a notch for the big game. The Grand Sage, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium is less than 100 days away. And on location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a once in a lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package to the big game. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring exclusive pregame celebration with college stars turned. NFL legends plus accommodations at five-star LA hotels and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. 
Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. Why not try Built Bar? So many flavors. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel. People are so passionate about their favorite flavors, whether it's cookies and cream, peanut butter, brownie, or even double chocolate. You have to get in on the action. Tell Santa to throw a few Built Bars in your stockings or provide a little stocking stuffer for you and your family. You like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays? Well, you need to get your hands on Built Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate. Taste so good, you won't believe that they're filled with protein. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's LOCK15 at BuiltBar.com. Wrapping up today's show here with Kenton Gibbs, and we are going through all things coaching hires. But more importantly, we have to get to these hoops action because the Georgia Tech women took down UConn over the end of the week, and I was excited for the Yellow Jackets. I think anytime you get to see Coach uh, Nell, yeah, defeat the UConn Huskies, I hated that it was more about the UConn women losing than it was about how good Georgia Tech was doing. That would that made me a little irritated because my my yellow jacket's held it down. Let me tell you something. This this to me was massive for women's basketball. Everybody claimed, or a lot of people rather, claimed that they don't watch women's basketball or that they didn't because UConn was just gonna win every game and UConn was just gonna be better than everybody else. For the first time since 2012, since 2012 now. UConn lost to an unranked team. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I rest my case. 240 matchups, I believe. Yeah, first time in 239. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, with that being said, congratulations, Georgia Tech. They went out there and they did what they had to do. Laura LaCuba was absolutely amazing. She was – she did not – put up all the points in the world. And if you are a stat sheet watcher, then you won't understand her impact on that game. She re- Shout out to Shooter, though. Bates was throwing them threes back. Okay, sorry. She she was a force at the rim defensively. Mm-hmm. And rebounding-wise, every time it seemed like Georgia Tech needed a timely rebound, you would hear the announcers, Q-Ball with another one, Q-Ball with a big rebound, time and time again. And that is the dirty work that it takes to be the team like UConn. You don't be the team like that uh, with just hoping that your star power is enough, especially if you're an unranked team this early in the season. So shout out yeah. to Georgia Tech. They they did their thing. They won that game. And, and at the end of the day, there is more parity now in women's basketball than there's ever been because this number one team right now did not win the championship last year. So – What's what's going on? NC State, the number two team, did not even make the final. Has never. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe they have. I, I may be wrong here. But under Westmore, they have never made a Final Four. I don't think they've even made an Elite Eight. So yeah. Well, it just remains to be seen that if you have not yet listened to Locked on Georgia Tech, you have the opportunity. Bryce Kuhn just started his show, and he is doing a phenomenal job. We are giving him all the hype, so I know he has a lot coming up this week. So make sure you guys listen to him wherever you listen to podcasts. We also talk about the fact that number one Purdue, 
so it was so slight, but it was all NC State. They unfortunately were not able to take down the Boilermakers NC State, losing in overtime. And I would like, love to hear from Locked On Wolfpack host Ken Gibbs. How did you feel about your pack after such a close yet no cigar matchup this past Sunday? If this team does nothing, they will fight. If this team does nothing, they will fight. So let's start there. Number two, um, the refs took this game away from NC State. They honestly and truly did. I understand the the ideology of swallow your whistle and don't decide the game. That does not mean to not call things that are blatant. That's not how that works. Their big was out of bounds when he knocked Cam Hayes' pass, inbound pass, out of bounds. That is a technical, uh, that is a, a violation that calls for a technical free throw. It didn't happen. That was that would have been a technical free throw with two seconds left to put us up one point. And we still would have had possession. And instead it was called Purdue ball. Like that's the difference. That's the things like that. And there were also multiple other calls, like Ivy deciding to run over uh one of our players and and who was in position outside the restricted area. And yet it was a block somehow. I didn't understand that. There was a lot of moments like that. And Coach Keats even acknowledged it. Anybody who knows Coach Keats knows he's the last person on earth to blame the refs. And mm-hmm. he said, we played a great game and y'all took it away from us. On the court, got a tech for it. Shout out to Kevin Keats for it because I love coaches who aren't afraid to say, listen, Wrong is wrong, right is right. Y'all are wronging us right now, and, and NC State was wrong in this game. So at the end of the day, you still can't have a meltdown to where you you lose an eight-point lead with under uh, three minutes left to go. But the job is not to not have meltdowns. That's not your goal in, a, in any basketball game. The, the job of every team is to be one point better than your opponent. NC State was, but they were denied the opportunity to prove so. Keep applying pressure, and we know that the Wolfpack will certainly be in more games. It's also just very nice to see NC State, Carolina, Duke, and Wake Forest, if you're part of the Triangle area, North Carolina area even, especially ascending to the triad, have all four teams be good in the ACC. Florida State lost you know, this past weekend. Leonard Hamilton got a lot of questions to ask. We'll have J.J. Jackson on tomorrow. We'll talk about more of that college basketball news. Ken, it's always a pleasure to have you here. Can you please remind folks of where they can find you, follow your work? Sure thing. You can find me at Locked On Wolfpack wherever you're listening to this right now, or you can find me at LO underscore Wolfpack on Twitter. Um, as you can see, my my personal handle is TGIF underscore Ken. Just be aware that you are getting the uh, person and the man, not the sports broadcaster there. Thanks again for listening to Locked On ACC, your first listen every day. Make sure to check out the Ultimate College Football Preview, local experts, betting advice, and draft analysis, the most comprehensive college Football playoff preview begins this Friday. And if you have not yet had the opportunity to get in on the betting action, definitely hit up uh, Locked on Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling. They are expert and analysts who can give you that lock of the day and give you some good dough. So love that. At Locked on ACC on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you guys come back tomorrow. Again, we're talking college hoops. We'll get you through the week on some recruiting news. We'll also talk about some upcoming games for the weekend. Get you all set there. Until next time, for Candace Cooper and Kenton Gibbs.